Today is an important day in the church calendar. It is the day that Jesus rode in on a donkey. And it's important that he rode in on a donkey. And it's important because it tells us everything that we need to know about who he is and what he's come to do. It tells us today we're going to learn about the very heart of Jesus. And what we learn today is that his posture is not repelled by sinners and sufferers, but he is for them and he seeks out sinners and sufferers. And it's good news, and so today we're going to see that there is a king who has died, but there's also a king who's lived. Let me read to you. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read to you the story of Jesus coming into town on this donkey, and then I'm going to read to you the words that he speaks to you, that you are meant to hear uh, with clarity and with awe and with wonder, and that will lead you to rest. So here he comes, in on the donkey. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, he came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them. Bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Behold, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, a beast of burden. Then disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, but others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? Then we see in Matthew eleven twenty-eight who he is. He's the one who says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some bold claims he makes here. And what I want to do is I want to paint a picture for you. This is our first point. We're, we're, we're painting an image. And my hope, I wish, this could, I wish that all of you could have this picture that I'm going to paint today of this king who is humbly coming in because it's something that we need to remember every single day. And I wish you could have this painting in your houses to see every morning when you wake up and every night before you go to sleep. So let's start painting the picture. And here's the first thing to know. During this time... If you were in a village or a kingdom, and there was an opposing kingdom, an army, outside of the walls of your city, and if you went up to the top of those city walls and you looked out and you saw this huge army, and then you saw the army part for the king to come through, when you saw that king come through, 
if he was riding on a horse, it meant war. But if he was riding on a donkey, it meant he comes in peace. Jesus, the King of heaven, the King of the cosmos, comes down into the earthly city, not riding a war horse, but riding a donkey, as if to say, I have come to bring peace to the earth. And he comes in power, he comes in glory, he comes in majesty, but he hides it. And he hides it so we don't get scared off by him. And he dresses himself in rags, you could say. And he dresses himself as a commoner, as a mere man, though he is unlike any other. And what you have to do now, this is how he wants you to imagine him. I mean, imagine yourself as a child, and you're a tired child. You're a weary child. Your parents are gone. You're living on the streets alone. And you're exhausted, but you have no idea of it because this is all that you've known. And then the gates open up. And he comes in on this donkey and then he gets off and he begins to walk and the crowds part. And there's a lane that is there for him now. And as he walks, he stops right beside you and he turns to you as this child. And he gets lower than you. And then he says these words to you. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give rest to your soul. The picture tells us everything that we need to know about how Jesus approaches sinners and sufferers. He comes for them, and he's not repelled by sinners and sufferers, but propelled towards them. And he comes to offer rest, aid, care, and probably a much-needed hug. And it's time for you, my friend, to rest. It's time for you to see Christ as the one who's come for you. The one who has heard your cries. Who has touched your tears. Who has felt what you feel in your heart. And has seen the worst of you. The depths of your sin. And he has come for you. And he is not repelled by you, but propelled towards you. And it's the story of our scandalous God who pursues, pursues sinners and sufferers. And so that's our first image. That's the image we have to have right now, our first point. Now we're going to look at his posture in this image, our second point. Now I'd like you to try something out. Try, with all of your might, not being so quick to defend yourself and this propensity inside of you to mess everything up and this propensity in you to sin. Stop trying so hard to cover it up and defend yourself because if you do that, you see here he is pursuing sinners and sufferers, not repelled by them. So if you try to hide everything, he just passes right by you because you don't think you need it. You don't think you need him. But he comes, why? To pursue sinners. In fact, he's given, I mean, he's, a, he's this God of majesty. He's been given many titles. But there's a title that we forget about too often. And that title is he is the friend of sinners. Not the friend of the sinless. 
Not the friend of the powerful, not the friend of the successful, not the friend of those who have it all together, and not the friend of the perfect, but the friend of sinners. His posture towards sinners is friendship. And along with that, these words that he speaks to you saying, I am gentle and lowly in heart, this is the only place in the entire scope of the Bible where Jesus describes his very own heart and how does he describe his heart. You have him here, you're captivated by him, and he wants to tell you about his heart, and here's what he tells you. I am gentle and lowly in heart. So for him to be lowly, it means he's humble. Like we saw, like we read to start the service in, Ze- in Zechariah 9.9, that he is humble and he's riding in on this donkey. So he's lowly, he's humble, and he's gentle. And that, this is what this means about him. He's approachable. And he's disarming. He's disarming to sinners and sufferers. And he's trustworthy. And he can hear the worst about you and see the worst about you, yet still pursues you and just wants to give you a big old hug. In Christ, the God of the cosmos becomes approachable. And so you approach him. He's there, he's kneeling down before you, bringing himself low, and you say, this must not be for me. Surely he knows me. Surely he would not do this for me. And so you have this thing inside of you that says, wait, I'm the wrong one. So you've got to tell him, no, 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 you got the wrong one. Here's all the stuff that's wrong with me. Here's all of my mess ups. Here's all of my mistakes. You must have me wrong. You must have the wrong person. And he says something shocking. Oh, is that all that's wrong with you? Well, good, because that's why I've come to deal with sin, to deal with pain. I'm doing away with it, he says, and that's why I've come. To give you rest from guilt and shame. He's come to hold sinners and sufferers. He's come in peace and he's for you, not against you. And he's not repelled by you, but he's propelled towards you. And you can tell him the worst about you. The sins that you have kept hidden for so long that you don't want anybody to know about. In fact, the sins that you don't even want to deal with yourself so you pretend like they're not there. He's approachable and he can hear it all. And then after you tell him, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest from your sin and your suffering. I'll be your home of peace. I'll be your shelter in the storm. I'll be the tree that protects you from the scorching heat. And I'll be the blanket, the warm blanket for you in this very cold world that has brought you into loss and suffering and pain. He'll be exactly what you need him to be, your approachable friend, the only one that you can tell everything to. And he loves you and accepts you and wants to hear more. And he's the only one that has come with the power to deal with it all. So not only is he humble and lowly, but he has the power of the cosmos and he has come specifically to deal with sin and death and suffering. So he comes to you, you this child, and then he reaches out his hand after you've told him all this and he says, take me by the hand and let me lead you. 
And so you grasp his hand eagerly and tightly because it seems too good to be true. And he picks you up and you start leaving this earthly city. And he leads you out of the gates. And he says, come on, I'm taking you home. And I'm going to introduce you to my father and he's going to be so excited to see you and so glad that you have come home. And so you leave this earthly city and you enter in towards, you leave and you start beginning going towards the gates to the eternal city. And then as you see it, you, you approach it and the gates reach up to the skies. And I'm not talking about your death here. His kingdom is now and it is here because he, the king, has come. So he is secretly invading this world right now as we speak. And at some point, the kingdom of heaven will fully inhabit this earth and take all things over. And it will come like that, and we will be surprised and shocked, and we won't know when it's coming, but it will come upon us like that. But now in this life, you approach the eternal city right now, approaching the kingdom of God, and as you do, holding him by the hand, you pass by a cross as you get close to the city gates. And you say, hmm, I wonder why that's there. And then you pass it by, walking right up to the gates of the city, the eternal city. And the gatekeeper calls out, is it finished? And Jesus says, not yet. And this brings us to our third point, his burden. In the book of Hebrews 13, 12, We are told that Jesus is crucified outside of the city gates, outside of the eternal city, and he does it, he's crucified there in order to deal with our sin and our suffering and curse and corruption and everything that is wrong with us in this world. He goes there to deal with it. God is just, so he must crush sin. But he's merciful, so he himself goes to deal with sin on your behalf in your place. It makes him both just and merciful, the only religion that accomplishes both. And then we see in these gospel stories this this thing that keeps reoccurring where there's these people who are called the lepers and they're unclean and they're supposed to be avoided. They're outsiders. They're supposed to stay outside of the city gates, away from everybody so nobody else catches the disease because if someone touches them, then that person catches the disease. But then what, would, what do we see Jesus do in these stories? He walks right up to them and he holds them and he wipes the disease off of them and makes them clean. This is exactly what he does with us, with our sin, our shame, and our guilt. He wipes it off of us. But guess what? When he wipes it off of us, he places it upon himself. He takes our sin. He takes us and our stain And he's the only one who has the power to take it and the power to deal with it. So, as this child, Jesus looks at you 
As you're outside of the eternal city and he says the time has come. The same thing he said to the disciples before he went to the cross. He told them, I'm going to the, to the cross. And they didn't get it. In the same way you don't get it as this child. And so he takes you right up to the foot of the cross. Outside the city gates. And he says something to you. He says, it's time for you to take all of your burdens and give them to me. All of them. He says, give it all to me. Your sin, your guilt, your shame, your loss, your heartbreak, all the wounds that you carry from this life that have hurt you to the core. He says, give them all to me and don't hold anything back. But it seems a little bit unfair to you as this child. And you say, well, this does into your mind, this doesn't seem fair. And you're holding back. And he says, stop holding back. I want it all. Don't hold back one ounce. I am here to carry your burdens, he says. So give it all to me. And so you finally do. And then this humble king, this approachable king, this wonderful king takes everything, carries it upon himself, and then crawls up to the cross. And there, upon the cross, he is crushed. Holding on to every burden that you have so all those burdens could be dealt with and done with. Takes the punishment for your sin shame, guilt that have plagued you. And he is then buried with those things in the dark reaches of death and experiences a spiritual suffering that was meant for you, but now it's his. He's taken that burden, the spiritual burden that you carried, and he's made it his own. And he's pained by it. And he experiences hell on the cross. And then he finally says, it is finished. And his head falls and he dies. And you as this child, you fall to your knees and you're weeping. And your hands are covering your eyes and your hands are filling up with tears. And while that's happening, something is happening behind the scenes that you can't see. He is there inside of death. And there, inside of death, he fights. And he mounts the war horse, not the donkey. And he fights against your greatest foe, sin, death, and corruption. And he wins. And then he rises. And you, still weeping, feel a hand on your shoulder. And he says, you hear his voice and you recognize it. Didn't I not say that I was going to do this for you? And did I not say that I would deal with it all and rise? And you're overcome with excitement. And he said, did you think I was just a man? I am a man, but I am far more. And you see his still approachable smile. And then he takes you by the hand and he leads you right through the eternal gates into heaven. Into paradise, now even. And as you enter in and the gates open up, you hear cheering and celebrating from all the angels in heaven, cheering over your entry in. 
And we're told that this is what happens in Luke 15. We walk in, a sinner who is saved by grace, all the angels celebrate. And then we're told in Zephaniah that he, the victorious Lord who has saved us from this sin and death, sings over you with loud shouts and he quiets your heart with his love. And that brings us to our fourth point, what he accomplishes for you. He quiets you with his love and gives you some much-needed rest. He dealt with your sin and your shame and your guilt, but he doesn't hang it over your head. He doesn't hang it over your head saying, now you owe me. He says, enjoy it all. Rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, he says. Why? Because he's carrying it all. He's gone before you. So you enter in to the eternal gates. After the cheering dies down, he says, rest, my friend. And now we get to it. You are exhausted. And you've been neglecting the rest that he has purchased with you with his life. And you are striving with all of your might, exhausted, trying to be a good Christian. You're trying to be a good spouse. You're trying to be a good parent. You're trying to be a good son or daughter. You're trying to be a good friend. You're trying to be a good coworker. You're trying to be a good neighbor. And the list just keeps going on and on. And on top of that, you have the sin in your life that you've got to deal with, but you're so busy to even look at it, you'd rather just pretend it's not even there. And along with that, you got all these wounds in your life. People have hurt you. You've been through hard times. This world is crushing you. And then maybe you got some physical pain or some emotional pain. Or you have someone in your life who's experiencing physical pain or emotional pain, and that is its own kind of pain. And it's just piling up. And then you remember him. The approachable king who is your shield and your defender. He's not taking away all the pain yet. You know that. But do you know what he's doing? He's going before you and carrying most of the burden so that it does not crush you. But along with that, he's going before you and he's beside you and he's giving you his strength and his power to deal with the suffering and pain and loss that you are experiencing in this life. And he gives you what you need so long as you cling to him. He entered into the worst of it before you so that he can carry most of the burden. And so that, here's what that means. You can have rest right now in the midst of the chaos that this world brings at you. And you say, I have no idea how to do that. I have no idea how to rest in the midst of my sin. I have no idea how to rest in the midst of my suffering. I don't know how to do it. And that brings us to our last point, his call. I don't have the words to tell you how to rest in the midst of everything that you're going through. 
There isn't a strategy. There is not a step-by-step plan. There's only Him. And He says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Go to Him. Not a strategy. Not an escape plan. Not some book. Not some something that you've worked up of how to escape from all this, not to the bottle, not to anything else, but to him. And he'll give you rest. And he will give you rest because he always goes before you to fight for you. This is what he's done. He's come to you in peace on the donkey, but he's gone before you mounted on the war horse and you follow after him as he goes and deals on the cross with sin and death and suffering and there buried in death, buried in the depths of hell, he fights for you so that you might have rest. The king who died is also the king who lived. And so you ask, what must I do next? The answer, nothing. He's done it all. He's accomplished every little bit that you were meant to accomplish. He's done it for you and he's gone before you and all you have left to do, my friend, is rest. It's offered to you. And it's there. And it gives him pleasure to see you rest because that's what he fought for. To give you rest. Relentlessly doing battle with everything that keeps you from rest. He went and he fought so that you could just simply enjoy resting. And it's a pleasure for him to see you rest. Next Sunday's Easter. And we see then, in this rest that we're experiencing, we get to do something. Something that we want to do. Not, not that it's a burden for us, but it's something we so eagerly crave. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But this week, this week, all you need to do is rest. You need it. Let's pray. Father, Teach us to rest. Teach us to go to your son and take every burden that is bearing on our shoulders and just give them to him. And let us understand that at the cross it was all dealt with. Help us be people who know rest. Give us the gift. And help us enjoy it, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.